Hello there, Dissectomaniacs. I am Andrew Leno, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers, and that is not usually my line. But today it's my line because I have a whole bunch of lines because I've created a web series. My best friend Ben and I have created a series called Who the F Are These Guys? It's a very queer romp written for queer people by queer people. Uh, you can check us out on YouTube. The channel is Who the F Are These Guys? Uh, go ahead and subscribe there. The pilot episode will be dropping October 15th. Uh, and you can also check out our Facebook page, Who the F Are These Guys? And the rest of our social media will be trickling out pretty soon. Uh, so go ahead and over there and you can see some, we'll be releasing some promo photos and maybe some clips from the pilot or, you know, things left on the cutting room floor. It's going to be a great time. Go check us out. Uh, that's who the F as in E-F-F are these guys. So if it's all one word, it's W-H-O-T-H-E-E-F-F-A-R-E-T-H-E-S-E-G-U-Y-S. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is a man who knows that with just two pieces of wood, you have yourself a radio drama door, the sound of a gun, and many people dancing on a wooden floor. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. We are concluding our two-part that's not so spooky with the gene wilder gilda radna movie radner i guess you said gilda radna gilda radner you said gilda radna i don't think i did um play the tape (laughs) uh movie with the utmost question mark afterwards haunted it's a real air quotes movie Yes, um, but we watched Haunted Honeymoon, so you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your radio program. Something's gotta be done about your radio program. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, 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 oh yeah. So this is about a couple who are famous radio performers who are both a couple on what's the on air on air on yeah. air. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say on screen and I was like, well, that's not it uh, on, on, on air speaker. and in life. And they, have to go to a haunted house because Gene Wilder's having fear issues. There's, it's really a weird, like that. Not a damn thing makes sense. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Is what like, like it's so easy to do this movie. You just use the okay. Your aunt died. You have to go to the, the reading of her will. Because like, then you cut out Dom DeLuise, and this movie's so much better. Well, I mean. Look, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say you're wrong about it because it's not exactly the most tolerant <laughs> gender portrayal, but I will be honest and say that I kind of enjoyed some of the Dom DeLuise stuff. Really? I mean, yeah, like it's stupid, but I don't know. It reminded me of like a Harvey Firesteiny like Harvey Firestein is a part of the LGBT community, and B is like generally lovable. In that sort of aspect, 
Like, he's known for doing that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm not saying that it's the same level. Like, let me be clear that I'm not suggesting <laughs> that Dom DeLuise in Haunted Honeymoon is to the same level of talent as a uh, Harvey Firestein. I'm just saying, like, it's the same idea. He's playing, like, a big brassy woman. I just, I don't, that ca- that choice never made sense to me. I couldn't figure out why. I Even on, like, the IMDb trivia and, like, the production portion of the Wikipedia page, there's no explanation. I mean, they just wanted to be in the Dom DeLuise business. I guess. It's weird. It, nothing in this movie makes sense. Like, tip no. to tail, it, this yeah. is just nonsense. <laughs> Nose to tail nonsense. Yeah, I made it's it more awful. alliterative. That's all I did. I just made it oh, I like more it. alliterative. Um, so we start out with these, like, cool 1950s, 1950s Wait, no, you style didn't. movie credits, like very Vincent Price. Pardon? I said tip to tail, and you said nose to tail. That's not more alliterative. That's nose less alliterative. Nose to tail nonsense. Oh, no stale nonsense. Okay. Are we really? This is how much we don't want to talk about this movie. That you're like, wait, can I parse out the alliteration of the phrase that you're claiming to have said? Because I don't believe that it's true. Yep. Yep. Let's not talk it about this true. stupid movie. I didn't make it up. So anyway, we've got these cool 40s, 50s, very Vincent Pricey, House on Haunted Hill era credits. which Yeah, I really they got love. a great font. It's cool. And then we have a dead woman hanging out of a house is it dom deloise no it's the it's it's the cousin that's later so we have a dead woman liberal air quotes as we'll find out later and then we see a wolf man and then cut to the lady's wig flies off and it's clearly a man under there yes and then cut to gilda radner and gene wilder wow that took way too long <laughs> i was I'm i was gonna <laughs> help you but i was like oh that, he he couldn't possibly have forgotten gene wilder's last name he's trying to remember the plot points in the editing that's that pause is not going to be there because it does it automatically but i can just promise you leave it was, in for uh, the like, end uh, drop it in the end there, there was like a no i just i just it will automatically delete that silence out but there was a long pause there um so they're voiceover actors for the radio and they like so this is where this is where hold on let me finish my thought because i'm obviously having a bad brain tonight (laughs) this is where i got confused immediately off the bat because so we have this like little werewolf thing and then it's like smash cut to the radio performers who are doing like the same play as they're performing at the house and so there's this like weird level of meta narrative happening for this whole movie where this psychiatrist is like testing gene wilder and doing stuff to him which is fine but there's this like weird meta narrative thing happening and like you never quite know what's real and what isn't and then the other and it's not in a fun like distinctive like in the movie sucker punch you're aware of like when reality is broken like you know when you change and like you you're there and this movie just is so it it feels like it's a watercolor painting that they spilled water on and they were like eh, fuck it put it up (laughs) yeah that's that's a pretty accurate statement because i i lost my train of thought there but coming back to it at the end of the movie the the act the actors are getting married in real life you think and then it cuts to them in the studio and they're doing the lines continuously so it's it's almost as if the whole thing has been a sham and then the the there's a car driving down the road and it turns around and there's a wolfman it's like well wait what in this movie was real and fake you can't you can't just pick and choose arbitrarily as you go. What you have to have a reality, a base reality, okay, movie. Yeah, it was it was like worse than Inception. 
So anyway, they're they're on this radio drama, and it's a commercial break. And somehow, during the live commercial break of this, which is like you know two and a half minutes, the two stars get whisked into another room to get interviewed by the media, and then like no, I don't whisk- think it's another room. I think the media gets whisked into their room. Well, whatever. The idea that they're doing a two and a half minute interview. During the production of this live show, like it's not like in the commercial breaks at SNL, AD Bryant does like a quick phoner with Entertainment Weekly. Like that's not how this works. They have a job <laughs> to do. <laughs> Although now I want to see that sketch. That sketch. Yeah, I mean they could uh, look. I'm sure that they could handle it, but it's it's the idea that like the main star is getting you know like oh uh, I have a break. Let me drink my tea. Oh, just kidding. I have to do an interview now. <laughs> Yeah, it is kind of weird. And, like, it's... I feel like that scene should have established a lot, and it didn't really. Well, it did give you a couple of pieces, but you're absolutely right. It should not... It should have been much more than it was. But it did give you, like, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I'm so in love with this woman who, by the way, they were married in real life. Um, Yeah, it was just a cute little thing. And then this, like psychiatrist comes in and the psychiatrist is like oh he's got the yips he's been scared i can help him blah 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 because someone he like starts to talk about his proposal day and goes into this full-on ptsd shock mode yeah it's very very strange and honestly gene wilder does a pretty good job with this kind of split personality nonsense it's it's kind of right in his wheelhouse but yeah it's it's just like this movie's a freaking mess it like there, I need I need consistency. I need to understand what's happening to some degree. Like I, I don't right. mind if you don't show me all the cards, but like I need to know what game we're playing. Yes, basically exactly. I had basically <laughs> I thought we were playing solitaire, and then all of a sudden you put down a red four and went Uno, and I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Suddenly someone slapped a draw four on you, and you were like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> This is poker. I thought this was Slapwitch. <laughs> oh man, Slapwitch. I haven't thought about that game in a minute. I love Slapwitch. Uh, <laughs> I was playing Slapwitch with a friend in college, and one of the cards that you're supposed to slap on is a, a, a lady thief, and one of the cards you're not supposed to slap on is like an old woman making a sandwich. And so <laughs> we got a little overeager, and my best friend Heather slapped the old lady in the face and then realized what she'd done and went, Stop! Old lady making a sandwich! Stop! <laughs> In case people don't know, Slapwitch is a card game, like, ostensibly for children, that is, like, it's you like know, war? coordinated slapping. Yeah, it's kind of like war, yes. Um, anyway, um, the, the other thing I would Chex Blaster, we're, like, <laughs> naming all the top references. <laughs> it's like 1994 up in this piece. Um, <laughs> the other thing that I've realized over the last six months is... So I, I have always said and thought that I liked Gene Wilder movies, but I realized that I have seen like an incredibly small subset of Gene Wilder movies and that he has oh, a yeah. much larger catalog than I was aware of. And a lot of it is really bad. Like not just, but you know, is some he of, bad? No, never. Or are the movies bad? The movies are that's bad. The, that's the distinction. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was apparently Spielberg. Apparently, tried to talk him into being the essentially the Wizard of Oz, Willy Wonka character for uh, Ready Player One, which comes out next year. And he turned really? it down. Yeah, it would have been really great uh, having read that book. Like it would have been a good casting choice. But 
uh, that movie looks like a total mess, by the way. People keep asking me if I'm excited about it because it's like so 80s-centric. And I was like, no, it looks like a mess. And then I remembered... Nah. Re- <laughs> I remembered really enjoying the book. It was like a summer, you know, beach read. And then mm-hmm. somebody started posting passages of it on Twitter. And I was like, wow, this is really poorly written. And I like totally didn't notice at all. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's one of those like sometimes you like like a thing and then kind of forget about it. It's like, you know, it's like a like a, a candy bar, right? Like you enjoy it. Yeah. But it's a fleeting and then later, someone's like, do you know that candy bar is full of rat turds? And you're like, is it real? And then you look at the wrapper, and it's like all rat turds. You're like, well, I guess I guess I got fooled. Thanks, thanks, Candy Corporation. Thanks, Big Candy. <laughs> anyway. Uh, We're going to get Big Candy on our ass movie. so fast. <laughs> right after <laughs> Ed Candy Bigley is Jr. coming. Ed and, and Big Candy are coming down hard. Um, I really like the behind-the-scenes of uh, radio drama stuff. I really I loved enjoyed- all the little tricks of the guy who was supposed to be on the phone talk through a horn so it sounded like this and you can be on the phone yeah yeah uh and i made the joke earlier about like using two pieces of wood to be a lot of things but the guy has like a fake door and they got a creaky door and a slammy door it's like our, it's like our grandmother used to have yeah she used to do this kind of thing they would do live re- live reading radio plays on stage and she would do sound effects but it was cool to see it in what i'm assuming was a fairly accurate representation of what serialized radio dramas were produced in. I, I don't it know. It seems pretty them, accurate. Yeah. I don't know how many of them were actually produced live back in those days. I'm sure some of them might've been, but uh, the studio I imagine is pretty accurate. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so this, this psychiatrist comes in and is like, Hey, you know, Gene Wilder's got PTSD and I, I got to figure it out. Um, and then we learned this thing that if he's a werewolf, he can't say the letter W. So Gilda keeps tricking him into saying w sounds and he so he's like starts to do them but then he's laughing uncontrollably and as the audience member we have no idea that that's not supposed to happen right like there's there's no indication that that's not the line or that's not how it's supposed to be read until a character is literally like he's not supposed to be doing that which is just bad writing like that's such bad writing it's, that's the best way of making a movie. Tell, don't show. <laughs> yeah, just explicitly have characters state things. It's good. It's good for you. Um, so this, this is a so, good fight scene. <laughs> so the, <laughs> I'm just imagining Wesley and uh, uh, Inigo Montoya saying that to each other <laughs> as they're doing the sword fight in Princess Ride. Like, that I'd be fine with, but I was picturing like <laughs> you just... <laughs> like if they said that to each other as they're doing like front flips and back flips... Which they did all themselves, except for the, like, gymnastics flip. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the uncle's like, all right, I, I want to do a cure. And uh, at this point, I was like, oh, clearly this won't be his uncle, and it's some sort of, like, weird subterfuge. But I don't know if that's true or not, because this movie has all these people show up and doesn't explain yeah. who the heck anyone is. There's zero... I was like, wait a minute. We can't just start, like, bandying around names as though we all know... We got a primer... We don't have a family tree. I don't know who any of these people are. And it's so easily solved by just having Gene Wilder arrive first and then greet all of these people. And instead, like, they show up at this castle, Gene and Gilda, and then all these people start showing up and they're just other people. What they should have done, it should have been Gene Wilder arrives last. Everyone is in the foyer. Having a cocktail or something. Yeah. Oh, cousin blah, 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 and your girlfriend, Schmoopy Pie, and blah, like, just go down the line. 
and this is my fiance. Like, so easy to do. So there, there's also a scene where Dom DeLuise, who's the aunt, who's the matriarch of this whole clan, I guess, is drafting her last will and testament and has changed her will to basically be either Gene gets Gene Wilder gets everything. No one gets any. If he dies first. Yeah. No, it was it, Gene Wilder gets all the money. But if he dies first, you all have to split it. Right, right, right. Which which does feel like a big F you to the other kids. I will Oh, admit for that. sure, for sure. Um, so they, like I said, like we said, they get to the castle. It's this driving rainstorm, pretty cool looking. And then there's this creepy caretaker who doesn't remember Gene Wilder at all. And then Gene, like later, like five minutes later, he, the same caretaker sees Gene Wilder and is like, oh my God, it's Gene Wilder. How are you? I loved you in Willy Wonka. Like they have this total <laughs> remembrance That boat scene scared me. um but like i didn't quite understand what that like was it supposed to be the other guy in disguise that met him first because like later there's some disguises like it never makes any sense why this guy it's a good thing they dropped that little question in there because they're certainly never going to explain it (laughs) Um, that's other that's the other key to good movie making it's tell don't show (laughs) pose a lot of questions and give zero answers and the other, the other thing that's like this movie wanted to be Young Frankenstein, I think, so bad, and so badly. And they were like, "Oh, you just put Gene Wilder in a movie and make it old fashioned, and that's how you do a Young Frankenstein." And it's like, no, there's like many, many pieces that have to castle. be there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like that is not that is not the formula is not Gene Wilder plus Castle. It is like a special type of script with a special type of sense of humor and also like a deep love of the thing that is making fun of, which someone pointed this out to me uh, or not. So so, excuse me. I I think I read this or heard it on a podcast. It wasn't like an actual conversation. It was probably a podcast where like those spoofy movies that came out in the last decade or so. The thing that they Mm -hmm. missed is like a genuine deep love of the thing that it's making fun of, which is why the Mel Brooks school of spoof is really funny and works. Whereas those are just like, Hey, remember, remember Pamela Anderson? She's in a bikini, in a Baywatch bathing suit now. And like, it's also because a lot of those movies weren't actual jokes. It was literally just, here's the title of another movie. Here's a line from another movie. Here's the title of a different movie. Yeah. And somehow this is dialogue. What? Yeah. Yeah. I remember you, Um, you owned one. I'm sorry for putting you on blast here. You were, you were young. You were going Oh, yeah, back in the day when I was stupid and didn't know what taste was? <laughs> of course I did. You were probably 12, give or take, maybe 14, but it was it was the one with uh, Alice and Hannigan. Movie. Date yeah, movie, yes. Yeah, they tricked me. They tricked me with Alice and Hannigan. And you were like, you were like, it's pretty funny. And I was like, really? It looks like hot garbage. You're like, no, no, it's pretty good. So I took the DVD and I watched it. And first of all, the movie is like 72 minutes long. And to pad it out, they added a 10-minute dance sequence uh, and then a really long credits. Uh, so I remember being like, you're you're like really wrong about this one. And I remember you being like a little bit like, no, I really found that movie very funny. And I, I, was, I remember distinctly having this weird conversation with you where it was like, wow, maybe we don't like the same things. But I think it was just that weird yeah, you know, in-between period. I- yeah, it was when you're just too young to know better. Yeah, I'm not. Again, I put you on blast. I apologize for it. It's not like I didn't like garbage movies too. Oh yeah, of course. And, but then there were garbage movies that I still like. Super Mario Brothers movie. I will unapologetically love that movie. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that movie is not fun bad, but you do, and that's fine. Um, but, like, it basically feels how Hollywood executives and studios feel now, where they're like, oh, that movie was successful because it had an R rating and it was about a superhero. Let's make an R-rated superhero movie. And it's yeah. like... No, no. There's some other pieces. Like <laughs> there's, you, there's so many other things you're skipping. That's not all the why pieces. that works. <laughs> it's like wait a minute. Someone... That movie was a, fran- a franchise based in the '80s. Let's turn that into a movie and do nothing else about the script. No, you can't. That nope. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I picture them like it's like a thousand piece puzzle, right? And so it takes like a long time to do a big puzzle like that. And they're just like, anybody got any scissors? And they just start, like, cutting pieces to make them fit. And then in the end, like, the puzzle is together, but there's only, like, 485 of the 1,000 pieces. The rest are just, like, torn to bits. And they're like, yeah, there's a puzzle right there. That's what we wanted, right? And you're like, no, nobody wanted that. That's not what we want. That's not the thing we liked. What about all these holes that you made because you didn't fit the pieces together? <laughs> nah, it's they, not a thing. They start dumping glue on it. It's like, no, that's not, Cover that's not how this works. That's not how this works. Because I guarantee you, the lesson that is learned from it, and we will, we, you know, as we talked about in our bonus episode, is is not going to be that people want more R-rated horror. It's going to be like we need a kid, we need to have a bunch of kids, and then the kids need to be sweared and stuff. It's like, no, I don't, I don't, I just want, I just, fine, whatever, whatever you want. Just, we'll just, we'll just, remake Monster Squad. <laughs> I would be fine with that. We've talked about this at length. The Monster Squad is a perfect candidate for a remake. Nobody has seen it. It's it's beloved by us, but it's not that great of a movie by movie making standards. It's and not. if you as long as you it, get all the kids from it, I'm fine with it. <laughs> Just put the kids from it in Monster Squad. They're great. But here's what you do: you update it, just like it, and you have the kids fighting Freddy, Jason, and Michael Myers. I agree. That'd be pretty cool. Maybe yeah. throw, like, a candy man in there or something. Yeah. I mean, a Chucky is probably more logical. Oh, anyway, yeah. Let's talk about I this. like that. Let's talk about this dumb movie. Uh, so there's this, like, mysterious knock at the door, and then this guy hypnotizes the butler, and then G- it's, like, smash yeah, cut maid. from this. Sorry, the maid, yes. Smash cut from the maid being hypnotized to saying goodnight to Gilda because they're sleeping in separate bedrooms, even though they're, like, about well, to get married. It's the night before the wedding, I think. Was the implication? Oh, all right. That's much more reasonable than than that. I yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was um, the night before the wedding. Um, but we do get a very great bit of wordplay, and I was like, the, these moments happen just far enough apart that I was like, oh, I'm here. I'm still here for this movie. And then I had to like wait. So, uh, the butler and Gene Wilder are like putting clothes away or something, and Gene Wilder goes, oh, he's a widower. And the butler goes, he's widower than what? And he goes, no, no, he's just a widower. And he goes, yes, he's widower than what? And I was like, oh, my God, he thinks he's saying littler with, his, with a speech impediment. I'm here yeah. for this joke. I enjoyed that. And the other one I liked was them whispering about the butler being hard of hearing and then having to cover it by saying the Gilda was. And so the butler yells at her for the rest of the movie. It's, it's really stupid. It's primo. But it's delight. Like, that is the that is a young Frankenstein joke. Like that is definitely mm-hmm. a Mel Brooksy joke, but that is the only instances of that in this in this movie. And the the shouting joke is always great because it's immediately preceded by um, the butler speaking in a normal tone to like three or four other guests, and then turning to Gilda and screaming. And it's like, oh, we forgot that was a joke, and now we're here again. 
and Gilda always reacts as if she's been electric shocked, which is really good. <laughs> she's uh, great. So like she's just she, wonderful. She, yeah, she is. I mean, she she is. I know that a lot of people hold a lot of fondness for the vintage SNL stuff, but I have to say, having watched a few episodes of the original show in their entirety from the 70s, back when SNL did the 40th anniversary, a lot of that stuff has aged like fish. Like, really poorly. In what way? And, like, it's not funny or it's, like, really inappropriate? Like, like the first episode of SNL has a four-part sketch called uh, Mr. There, no, the bees waiting room, and it's a bunch of it's all the men in SNL dressed in bumblebee costumes, like cheap children's bumblebee costumes, and they're walking in a circle in a waiting room, going like buzz, 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 and then a doctor comes out and is like, Mister Buzzington, it's a drone, and they're like drone, and then the one guy like hugs it, and there are four separate cutbacks to this sketch that are each like two minutes to three minutes long. This that identical joke until the last time it's like a queen and they're like a queen and then he picks up like he picks it up the baby and like that's the whole sketch. I wouldn't be mad at one of those. Yeah, no, it's a funny idea one time, but I was like, oh, we're doing the bees again. Oh, we're doing the we're, we're doing the bees we're doing the bees again. And then there was still more to come. So like. Th- it's like it's like Monty Python. It's like any sketch comedy, really. The truly memorable stuff lasts a long time. The rest of it is just utter trash. Like it disappears. Just, yeah, yeah. Like going back and watching those old episodes is just it's tough. Like there's a lot of garbage. Just like current SNL, the hit rate is like you know thirty percent maybe, and that's a good hit rate on a sketch show. But if you're not watching it live in the moment, you're like, oh man, what is what is happening here? But Gilda is a shining star throughout a lot of that. Um, she kind of vocally reminds me of Ellen DeGeneres. Yes, a little bit. I had that same note actually. I was like, oh, I, I'd never, I'd never like heard that before. And then I, she started speaking to someone, and it was just like, oh wow, Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. So another couple arrives, which turns out to be Jean's cousin, and he's now dating Jean's ex girlfriend, which is a weird thing. Yeah, it, like, doesn't really get explained until after it's already started to be established amongst the characters. Right, right. Like everything else in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, Then the psychiatrist gets there, and then we have a pretty solid scene with Gene Wilder thinking there's a snake in his drawer, so he screams. And then we cut to Gilda and the butler running in to check on him, and he is astride a moose that's hung on the wall, like holding the antlers like panda bars. A giant, like, Beauty and the Beast Gaston's tavern moose. Yeah, yeah. And the butler goes in, and it's like just a random cord that was in the drawer for some reason. Yeah, I I needed a little more explanation. Like, I wanted this movie to end with, like, the end of a psych episode when Sean is like, very clever. You think all of that happened. Here is how it really went down. And then yeah, like, yeah, we get yeah. the flashback in, the, in like a grayscale. Yes. Also, that uh, uh, we haven't done it yet on the show, although certainly one day we will. But I, I saw a video where people were talking about Columbo, the Peter Falk show. And his whole thing is like he has the line of questioning and he goes to leave and he's like, but just one more thing. And then he like – pulls out the salient piece of evidence that he's been sitting on. And as I was watching the video, I was like, oh man, this is totally, like, Psych was totally just Columbo, but with, like, other, obviously, more humor and bits and stuff. Yes. But, um, so, Charlie, Jean's cousin, can't afford to get married. 
trying to remember these names is a fool's errand. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> okay, well, Gene's cousin can't afford to get married, and this this is like a large cause for concern for him. And then Gene goes in the hallway, and he gets attacked with smooches by his ex-girlfriend, who's now dating his cousin, and she's just like going after him. Oh, you say that like we know it's his ex-girlfriend. Oh, yeah, we have it fully no idea then. who this woman is. We, we no. know she's dating his cousin, and she kisses him on the cheek and is like, I'm so excited to see you, and then leaves. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then Gilda comes out, and Jean is like, oh, it was the maid. And then the maid comes around the corner and is like, you son of a bitch, I saw you kissing that other woman. But also is not wearing any lipstick, because Gilda was like, why is there lipstick on your cheek? Yeah, it was like bright red, you know, classic red lipstick, and just not, uh, yeah, it just... Ugh, this movie's classic awesome. harlot red lipstick yes although it did give us a great wordplay line from gilda radner later oh it was pink it wasn't red it was pink yeah where gilda asks the i don't know what the character who the character who's jean's ex she's like oh what color is your lipstick and she goes uh passionate pink and gilda says yeah why don't you quit passionate around <laughs> Um, so then there's a third couple in the midst and they're smooching as well. I couldn't tell you who they were related to or what their relationship was. If I knew who they were related to, I just know they, I think they were married. It was a magician and a woman. Yeah. And the magician is apparently world famous because Gene's ex-girlfriend knew who he was like right off the bat. Like Chris Angel level. Yeah. Uh, so... Dom DeLuise in drag is like, all right, here's the <laughs> Andrew's rolling his eyes is like, all right, here's the here's the scenario. We got to slides werewolf. down the banister first. I you did like that the banister gem. slide. I, 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 I will give you I will give him the banister slide. I'm here for that as a character trait. It was pretty funny. Uh, he's like, look, there's a werewolf in our midst. And then he kind of tells the backstory of this werewolf thing. And then he starts talking to Gilda Radner. And then Gilda Radner is like in time with him and i'm like wait are we gonna do a time warp and then they do like a shitty time warp that leads into like a old school uh wavy hands broadway type thing yeah it's a weird dance you're talking about the time warp the dance let's just clarify that for the audience i think people know what the time warp is like friggin' let's do the time warp again the rocky horror picture show Yes, yes, I know, but the way you Just phrased it... Just a hop it, to the sounded... left and a skip to the right. I think people knew what I meant when I said doing the time warp. It, I thought you said a time warp moment. So yeah, it's this, it's this really great, like, out-of-nowhere vaudeville number that it's implied, like, everyone knows this song, much like the YMCA or uh, the Hokey Pokey. No, it's not everyone, though, because most people are just watching, and Gilda and her know the choreo. But they... If, I thought everyone was like singing along, like like oh, clapping I, I, and humming. If, if they were, I missed that. But okay. Um, Gilda Radner is wearing a fabulous dress. I, I see. I have the a different note in that the dress makes her look like one of those Victorian paintings because it has this huge frilly collar. I thought. See, I thought the collar should have been bigger. <laughs> if the collar was any bigger, she'd look like a dog with stitches. No, I want. I wanted full on like spitter dinosaur realness. <laughs> it's a black velvet dress with where it's a white and white with black polka dot like ruffle collar that goes all the way around her neck, 
and then it's also a big panel in the front with ruffles. It's great. It's yeah, it's it's something all right. Um and then as they're dancing, Gene sees the wolfman out the window and starts screaming. No, he sees the the eye lights in the magician. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. But isn't that the wolf isn't that the wolfman? No, I don't Okay. Because he, he came, the magician came into the house with eye lights, and that's what he used to hypnotize the maid. Right, and then right, he had right. Them again I think at that point the, I was ass- in this ballroom. I think I was assuming that made him the wolf man at this point of the movie. We can make a lot of assumptions. I'm down <laughs> to just make assumptions about this movie. Um, so then there's this weird thing that comes up where there's like a nephew who's a cross dresser, which is fine in another movie. But when your main female character or your second female lead is a man dressing as a woman and your audience knows that it's hard to like, cause like I was waiting for the reveal that Dom DeLuise is like, and I'm Dom DeLuise. And, and then I was just like, who, who and what is happening here? Like, yeah. But it's hard in a movie where a character is a crossdresser because one of the main actors in this movie is also a crossdresser, and it just makes it confusing for the audience. Like, are we supposed to know that's Tom DeLuise or not supposed to know that? Yeah, it's it was uh, another level of like, why why was that the choice you made? You already have these seven things. Like, you can't also throw that in there and expect us to be cool with it. Yeah, it's like the world's most annoying stew is what we're dealing with. It's just a very annoying stew. Uh, so I thought you meant a person stew, and I was like, I'm not sure who you're referring to. <laughs> yeah. Come on, like, stew. Get it together. I was like, who is stew? <laughs> um, so the power goes out while they're in the ballroom, and everyone's like, well, time to go to bed, even though as far as we're concerned as an audience, it's like 830 in this movie. And so Gilda and Jean say goodnight to each other. And she's like, look, this house is kind of scary. I know that we're, we have this rule. We're not supposed to share a room. But if I get scared, I'm going to come in there with you. So if you see someone, feel someone in bed next to you, cuddling you, don't worry. It's just me. Which means immediately I know we've got a Chekhov's cuddle situation happening yep. in this movie. Yep. <laughs> and I was honestly like... I wish that we had the, like, again, we talked about this not long ago, but I wish we had the foresight to think of some of these things four years ago, because, like, I would love a running list of all the Chekhov's we've encountered. Like, if someone out there has been keeping tabs, get in touch, and we will absolutely <laughs> give you credit for it. Like, I 100% will, will put your name out there as the person who compiled that. But, I, like, there's so much weird Chekhov's introductions we get on the show. It's It's really one of my favorite it things. It really is. But Chekhov's cuddle oh. might be among the top ten weirdest. It is. I'm trying to remember. We had a weird one recent, like within the past like six months, and now I can't remember. Right, right. But anyway, so Gilda it, like knows what the floozy character will say is up to, and is having none of it. She, yeah, she like, knows she's about to go after Jean. She's like, look, she's gonna do some stuff. It's cool. Play it cool. And goes into her room, and as soon as her door shuts, the other woman's door opens, and she jumps out to, like, hug and kiss Gene Wilder, and Gilda Radner instantly throws her door open, and is like, I just can't sleep. I think I'll stand in the hallway all night till I fall asleep. And the woman's like, well, fine, I will go to bed. And she does, and so Gilda goes to her room. Gene goes to his room. The woman opens her door, goes out, and then, like, turns to face the door to close it slowly and when she turns around gilda radner is directly behind her glaring at her 
Like, like, like movie villain style right behind her. <laughs> it's beautiful. And she's like, go to bed. She's like, yes, <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> yeah, that is one of the best moments of this. Um, so there's a brief chat about werewolves with Jean. And then we cut to Gilda like getting ready for bed. And she starts doing a shadow puppet of Donald Duck. And she's just doing Donald Duck voice to the point where I was like, doesn't doesn't Disney own that? Like, she says yeah, Donald. I don't know how. Well, he later says Donald Duck. Right, right. Like, there's a lot of reference to Donald Duck. Yeah, I, I didn't know. She's, like, full on doing, like, a Donald Duck impression, which I do not do a very good one. And so, But, like, she is a very good Donald Duck. <laughs> yeah, but she's a – I mean, hers is excellent, but I just didn't know how it was in the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we cut to Gene Wilder getting ready for bed. And this is the weirdest pre-bed Well, ritual. someone comes behind Gilda Radner. Oh, right, right. It's the psychiatrist. And he's like, I need we your help. We see a shadow solve this pop up behind her, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Gene Wilder has the weirdest pre-bed ritual I've ever seen in a movie or real life in that he gargles, but then he spits it into a cup that he keeps on his bedside table. What? What is that backwash Why, cup for? bro? <laughs> what are you going to need that for in the middle of the night? Like, this, like, there's clearly running water. It's not like you have to go down the hall or downstairs to get to, a like, a sink. Like, he come starts on, bro. the gargle in front of a sink and walks away from the sink with a cup so that he can spit in it and put it next to it. It's the weirdest of the many, so many weird things we've seen on this show. This is amongst the weirdest. So gross. Oh, we also missed earlier um, where the wolf man is down in the cellar. And he's like talking to someone. We can't. Uh, we can only see a hand. And he's like, "Look, if you want to kill him, kill him yourself. You don't have the guts to do it." And then he gets stabbed. And we only hear a person whisper that they want Gene Wilder dead. And I thought it sounded like the lady character, the one who's married to the magician. Yes, I did too. But nothing is real in this movie. Um. So next to Gene in the bed, which. The scene is not lit like you turn the lights off, which is makes this especially weird. Like, this should definitely be in the yeah. dark, but it's not. It's in, like, practically midday daylight. And a very large, heavy man is laying in the bed next to Gene Wilder. And he starts, like, groping this fat man and is like, oh, darling, I knew you would come in here. And I, I'm so glad you did. And let's get frisky. And the, it's a dead, cold man body. Like, Gilda Radner... And- at her Savelt woman. Yeah, like, Gilda Radner's max weight is, like, 71 pounds. Like, she's a very tiny human being. She's particularly small in this movie. And, like, this person is enormous. This person is Dom DeLuise large. Like, this is as this is worse than Wesley in the mask being unrecognizable to Buttercup. Like, if you can't tell your waifish wife apart from a large, large man... <laughs> I don't know what disease you have, but I'm so sad for you. You shouldn't get married. (laughs) Yeah. So he doesn't figure out that it's a dead, a cold, dead man body until he rolls on top of it, like, to dry hump it. And it's like, that's not Gilda Radner. Yeah, dog. You should have known that ages ago. (laughs) We're kind of uh, silver lining it. He definitely was in the midst of that when he discovered, like... He was, like, kissing all up on the belly for some reason. Yeah. And he's reacting as though he's being touched. We, yeah, also, no, saw it's, the, it's, I also, we also saw the corpse's hand move. So not a real corpse. No. 
Um, but then as Gene goes to dry hump it, a hand comes out of the wall with a knife and then he sees that it's a dead body and kind of shrieks in terror and rolls away. Um, at which point the butler, yeah, the, the butler is like, Oh, there's nothing wrong. And he goes in to check and the body is gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we get the only cool effect in the whole movie, which is Gene sitting in bed and then a monster walks down the wall above his head. Oh, yeah. And leans over into his visage, and Gene Wilder's like, it's all my imagination, it's all my imagination, it's all my imagination. I just need to touch it, and it'll go away. And he reaches out and touches it and comes back with, like, a fistful of monster snot that he's, like, grabbed this monster's nose, and then he starts having a full-on meltdown. Basically, his character was just having panic attacks, and nobody was like, And he had the worst support system, basically. Yeah, no, he gets no help from anybody in this movie because they're all screwing with him for experimental purposes for some reason. And we don't know who's ex- who, we don't know who is screwing with him. We don't know what the plan is. Like, there was never we needed the establishing. Like, here's how we're gonna spook him at the old mansion. Like, we needed that rundown. Or it needs to be a plan that's been put in place like well before Gene gets there. Like, Gilda needs to be in on it. She needs to know what's up and the, like. As an audience member, we have no idea what's real and what's fake for this, like, whole movie. And not in a fun way. No, no. It's not, like, a fun, confusing, like, who done it. It's just, like, a I literally don't know what's happening in this dumb movie kind of situation. Yeah, that's why I wish he had been like, here's how we're going to spook him. So the audience could be like, wait, Gene, that's not part of the trick. You're in danger. You in danger, girl. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um so he ends up getting walled into his room. Like he opens a door and there's a brick wall there. And then his piano starts playing and outside, mm-hmm. like twirling around in the courtyard is Gilda in her wedding dress, like floating ethereally. Right. And then he's kind of like looking at a mirror and seeing her through the mirror. And then the mirror is a portal and he like is able to step through it to outside to the like mystical haunted yeah. forest. Uh, and Where then a hand grabs uh, him. G- yeah, the dress is on the ground. He picks up the dress, like looking for Gilda, and a hand shoots out of the earth and chokes him. Um, also, it, apparently, it's just so much, so much confusion. Yeah. Also, apparently, uh, Gilda Radner didn't get to wear a wedding dress for her wedding to Jean. I don't, I don't know why. I read that. Yeah. Yeah, but she uh, apparently had the photographer for the sh- the film shoot an album of her in the dress with Jean for their like to have wedding photos, which I thought was kind of sweet. Um, I love that. So he runs away from the hand, and he ends up riding a slide, which I guess is a coal chute, into the basement. And mm-hmm. he finds Francis's body. Francis is the cousin. I, I wrote that name down here. The cousin who likes to cross-dress. Um, Francis's body is in there. And then the butler is like, uh, what are you doing down here? And Gene Wilder's like, look, I found the body. He's like, you murdered a guy? And Gene Wilder's like, no, I didn't. I, just, I found the... <sighs> so... He Remember earlier when his... I said there was a dead body in my room? <laughs> this is the dead body. So he knocks out the butler who falls like into the coal chute, except his knees are hanging over the edge of it. And then these police come downstairs and Gene Wilder is like half in this coal chute and half out. But it's set up in such a way that it looks like the butler's legs are his. And so there's like a real whose line is it anyway sequence where the legs are moving it's and Gene so Wilder's. Good. He's like talking into one like a microphone because the police say, hey, don't stand up. You stay seated right there. And he's like seated. Yes. 
<laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> yeah. And so he convinces these real stupid local cops that he is fine and there isn't a dead body and an unconscious man in that coal shoot with him. Um, and then the so werewolf they, shows I mean, up and starts like attacking Gene. In today's world, we know when all the celebrities are getting married and stuff. But they were like, who are you? And he's like, you don't recognize my voice? I'm practicing lines. I'm this radio actor. And like, oh, awesome. That's cool. I'm like, oh, wait, I know who you are. And he's like, yes, I'm here to get married. And they're like, oh, you're getting married? And I was like, I thought we established in the beginning that there were all of their fans totally knew about their engagement and wanted to hear details. That's what the reporters said. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they said. But And also, like, if the dumb cop is such a big fan of this woman, he would probably know that she was getting married. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um. So this werewolf shows up in the basement and attacks Gene Water with a sword, which is like not how werewolves attack. So yeah, it's like well, it's it's like a weird like silver dagger. It's real ceremonial looking. Right, right. So they have this like fight, like, and I, then Gene, why would the, why would the werewolf do that, Gene? Think about it. Yeah, the werewolf would not use a friggin' sword or knife or whatever. Then we it's cut to like outside Lagoon and Gilda. Who... Right, right. And then we cut to outside and Gilda is on like a rope harness like the last movie we watched. And she's like struggling and getting swung all around, which really looks uncomfortable for her. Yeah. And she's like, I have to pee. Let me down. So at this point, we've like revealed this ruse. And, uh, you know, Gene finds this creepy mask that was the face of the ghoul that was in his bedroom. Although it doesn't explain how someone was able to walk down a wall the opposite of gravity. Ho- really hoped that one was going to get explained. Super <laughs> didn't. <laughs> nope. Nope. Why would Good it be? Good thing you had a question about this movie. Moving on. So he's like exploring in the woods and he finds this storm generator in the woods that can like make lightning sounds and stuff and makes flashes of light, which seems impossible, but okay. You can make a flash of light in a small enclosed space at a haunted house. Sure. But this is as though it's like over the mansion lightning, which is even funnier when the cops are walking around like that, that lightning, it sounded like it came from the garden. And I was like, wait a minute. Let's think about the sentence you just said, sir. Right. You think the the sound of the lightning came from the garden. Yeah. It's preposterous. So he finds... The the butler's back there hiding the bodies, and then the dumb cops show up. Who was the second body? I don't know. Okay. As long as I wasn't the only one who didn't know. No, I have no idea. The cross-dressing cousin and this other dude? Yeah. So they pull a clue... And the butler's playing the accordion while Gene Wilder is dancing with his dead cross-dressing cousin. Who the cops now think is Gilda Radner, which is kind of hilarious because it was a radio actor and so they wouldn't know what she looked like. Yeah, I liked that touch. Um, and then they fo- so the cops go away, they get fooled again, and then the werewolf attacks again. And then suddenly like everyone is outside looking for gene but the werewolf has trapped him in a coffin and he's like trying to scream because for Dom help Deloise, but he can't dom Deloise saw the werewolf attack yes and this is where i wrote two notes my first note was this movie feels kind of pointless which is a shame given the cast and two i really wish i knew what the plan to scare him was supposed to be because i don't know what the hell they're accomplishing right now Right, but, like, if the plan was to lock him in a coffin, like, it feels like you went a long way to get to locking him in a coffin. <laughs> yeah, we did a real roundabout thing here, buddy. So then the and dog it's a coffin is that trying has to a dig glass window. 
Yeah, it's a very weird coffin as coffins go. I don't know why he wasn't knocking on the coffin. Right, he can't scream, but he also doesn't make any, like, attempt to bang around to make noise. And then the dog starts, like, trying to dig him out. Like, I guess the dog knows where he is, but everybody doesn't seem to notice that. And then we flash back to Gene's mom's wedding, and he's, like, a you know, an eight-year-old boy and ha- having, like, a real stress moment about his mom getting married. And she says, your tie has to be straight so you can look good. Don't worry about lightning. Lightning can never hurt you. Everybody knows that. Cut to the wedding where lightning crashes through the window and kills his mother. Yeah. So that, I guess, that's what you picked, guys, to explain why he uh, is obsessed with his tie being straight and is scared of lightning since uh, since he got engaged. That's what you picked? And, like, he, how did he possibly repress the memory of his mom getting killed by a lightning storm? Like, you would think that would be In front of a- him. Yeah, I t- like if that happened to you, you would you would be the worst lightning Freddy cat in history. Yeah, you would just never leave your house. You'd be like, I'm gonna live underground in a soundproof room forever. This is me but now. Th- but this is the point in the movie where like everything really starts unraveling for me because we go inside and the cousin is on the phone like angrily yelling with the police like I don't care if you've been out here twice already like get out here your help is needed and Gilda sees that the phone is not plugged in and then he realizes that she learns that information and he the turn happens and it's like oh this whole time i've been trying to kill gene but that means that simultaneously in this movie the psychiatrist had everyone's help or thought he had everyone's help trying to scare gene and this cousin is actually trying to kill him in a way that no one has noticed like in a way that the psychiatrist didn't notice things weren't going to his plan right so he confronts Gene, and it turns out like there's this lifetime of jealousy because of his relationship with the aunt, I guess, which is weird. And they, which again was told, not shown. Right. So like they fight, and then he picks up this priceless vase that we saw earlier in the movie, and then there's a gunshot, and the aunt is there with a shotgun, and she shoots him in the gut, and he falls out the window, uh, smashing the vase that's priceless, obviously. And we could, this was we got a throwaway Chekhov's vase. Because in the beginning, yes. the butler was like, this vase is worth a thousand billion dollars. Don't break it. It's very important. There's only three in the whole world. Yeah. So Dom DeLuise shoots him. He goes out the window and he goes, I spent $5,000 on that vase. There were only three in the world. And the butler says, two now. And he goes, yes, two. Oh, well. And I was like, no, no, you can't do that. You cannot establish something and then just piss on it. Yeah. It, it Things have meaning, movie. Things have meaning. Uh, so then we have the wedding. And during the wedding, we cut back to the recording booth, which is the actors playing their characters. And their characters are getting married. I don't know what that means. Did they really get married or not? I think someone said they also got married. IRL. I guess. But then I don't know what's real of anything in the whole stupid movie. Um, so, because apparently none of it was real, but then the Wolfman was there at yeah, the end. The narrator is like, and then they all lived happily ever after, or did they? And this creature turns around, and it's the Wolfman, and it does like a Michael Jackson at the end of Thriller, and then credits. I just, I'm so disappointed in this movie. I'm had not they mad, put, I'm just disappointed. Had they put the Thriller laugh in over the werewolf, it would have been like 5% better. They're like, bah, ha, 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 Yeah, I kind of accepted that. Instead, it... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, final thoughts? No. 
<laughs> it's a mess. Like this movie is atrociously bad. It's really bad. It's if you want to learn how to not write a movie, watch this movie. And and like we've watched a lot of bad movies on the show and this is the kind of bad that I don't know that we've done too many of. Like one I point to a lot is Parasite 3D, which tried to do a bunch of stuff and failed miserably at all of them. It's not a good movie, but they at least tried to do things. I genuinely don't understand and like, what I they were know what they were trying to do. And like I understand what Parasite 3D was trying to do. I was in the world with them and I knew what was going on. Right, right. But I have genuinely no idea what they were attempting to do in this movie. Like none whatsoever. I couldn't tell you what any. I could tell you that Gene Wilder and Gilda Radner and Dom DeLuise were in this movie, and that there was a werewolf. Right. It's not particularly funny. It's not uh, because particularly that, that, scary. I feel like if you if you cut out all the funny moments, you could probably make like a five to seven minute YouTube video. I could watch yeah, but that. Even that, like, yeah, but even that is like not like go watch Young Frankenstein if you want to see Gene Wilder in a vintage haunted thing. Like, I it's it's just so weird that like. I have no idea what they were trying to do, but whatever it was they were attempting, they failed at it miserably. Yes, 100%. Um, so thank you guys. Uh, so I, you're not recommending this, right? I, I mean, that's that seems to go no, without saying. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, which, which between I, – I, I know this is a dumb question, but like between this and Haunted Honeymoon, which – or uh, High Spirits. Which, which do I recommend between the two? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, High Spirits. Yeah, which is also bad. It's like I feel very disappointed at my attempt at like, spectacular combo. The the difference is like yes, high spirits is bad, but like there's never like I'm not lost watching high spirits. Yeah, I'm not a dumb person, I, and the fact that I couldn't follow this movie <laughs> is really like painful to my soul. I think. Yeah, like with high spirits, I was like, okay, this is a dumb movie about like a forced, a really like shoehorned romance between a man and a ghost. And a woman and a ghost, and it's uh, I under I get what's happening here. I understand. I'm in your world. You explained it and you executed right. it not very well, but you did what happened. Yeah. And this movie is just sort of like I-, I can't follow it. I can't recommend, but I can't follow. Right? Yeah. This is this is this is a really rough movie uh, amongst the worst ones we've ever done. That's that- a shame. Yeah. 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 So thank you guys so much for listening. Another spooktacular in the books. Uh, we always look forward to this time of the year. I hope that you guys do too. Uh, have a very happy Halloween. Don't forget to check out who the F are these guys on YouTube. Uh, and most, most importantly, if you could do us a Halloween treat, uh, we would love if you would review the show and also tell two friends, find your favorite episode, send it to people and be like, Hey, listen to these guys make jokes about 80s movies. We would really appreciate that. And if you dress up as someone from the eighties or something, I might be interested in in general, you know what I like guys. Tweet at us at dissect the eighties. Yeah, get at picture. us and we'll we'll share your costumes. That's that's a great idea. Uh, I'll be sure to share ours uh, closer to Halloween as well. Uh, if you want any other things, facebook.com slash dissecting the eighties, dissecting the eighties dot com has all that information. You can also call in eight five six D I S S E C T and uh, get in touch with us that way. Our next episode comes to you on November sixth. In celebration of the release of Thor Ragnarok, we thought we'd get down with a little Jeff Goldblum. I think you mean Kate Blanchett Ragnarok. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's say the title correctly. No we problem with that about... whatsoever. <laughs> we will be talking about Earth Girls Are Easy. 
another weird Jeff Goldblum role. Very excited to hear Andrew's hot takes about Jeff Goldblum go viral nationwide. Even more people. We're going to lose every fan of this show once they hear about your opinions about Jeff Goldblum. But we will get to that next hey, time. I got a YouTube show. I got to get that sweet, sweet traction going. That's right. That's right. YouTube uh, so stars will... gets in tune with Jeff Goldblum. We will see you guys on November 6th. Um, Thank you again for listening. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until November 6th. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.